Welcome to the Loft Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message and that it ignites in you a hunger for more of God's presence in your life. And then all of a sudden, September 10th, 2010, that vision died because my wife had the same vision to be a pastor's wife and, and Rosemary died on that day and I felt everything was gone. And God showed me that being a pastor is being a father. And, and I'm a father to more people today than I ever was back then. And, I, and here's the thing. When I used to preach, I, we used to, I mean, I street preached. It was boom, 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 you know, as fast as I could go and loud as I could be. And now it's like, okay, now you're a father, so you get to preach a little bit. I don't have to get all this ridiculous stuff going on. You know, I can speak the word of God, and it comes true. And so this week, the enemy's been challenging me. He says, what makes you think you're qualified to preach Father's Day? And I'll tell you. So you notice my shirt is a little messy? That's because little Miss Damaris there, I was holding her, and she's pulling, and she's making a mess. And it's like, you know what? I've been in a lot of messes before with my children, and that qualifies. 39 years of that. So that call, I have changed diapers. I have um, wiped up all that spew that comes out of their mouths. What, what you call that, I have no idea. But I'm sorry, what's that? Oh, ERP. Okay, so it's ERP. Anyway, so all that has been about, that's my qualifications. I've been there when it's messy. Amen? Tonight, I, I'm, I, when I learned I was preaching on June 18th, no idea it was Father's Day. Didn't even, didn't even connect at all. And so about a week ago, all of a sudden, Luann goes, you know, that's Father's Day, right? What is? The day you're preaching? Okay. I got to change. So my thing is, I'm going to change everything. And the, and the Holy Spirit says, nope, just preach it because what you're preaching to the church, you can preach to the fathers. Amen? And so uh, the title of my sermon is Heart, Life, and Show Up. Amen. So the first part is heart, huh? Heart, life, and show up. And so because I'm terrible at trying to read my Bible and do scriptures up here, Mrs. Susie Tyler is going to come up and read scripture for me. Now. She looked at me. She looked at me and goes, now? No. Her voice is much nicer, so I'm a little bit. Uh, Deuteronomy uh, 5, 28 and 29. But the Lord heard you when you spoke to me. And the Lord said to me, I have heard what this people said to you. Everything they said was good. Oh, that their hearts would be inclined to fear me and keep all my commandments always so that it might go well with them and their children forever. Dang. Yeah. So a heart for God alone is what we're trying to get to tonight. Amen. And how many know what that means? A heart alone for God. That means, you know what? You don't serve anything else but God. Amen. Your heart is totally for him first. And Moses in this time was rehearsing and reminding Israel of the trembling of Mount Sinai. And they saw and heard the glory of God, and trembled with fear. How many of you understand the fear of God today? A little bit? It should shake you to your teeth, because if you don't fear the fear of God, then you, you, you're not under God's influence. You don't have a heart for him. And as a father, we, you know why we need a heart for God? Because not only does it affect us, it affects your children. Are you hearing that? It affects your kids. Because if you don't have a heart of God, how do you expect them to have a heart for God? And, and we're not just talking about, well, you know, I go to church on Sundays and I maybe pray once every week. They need to see your heart for God every day. You need to have a heart for God every day. When you get up in the morning till the time you go to bed, your heart needs to be for God. Because why? Because that's the only way. There's nothing better than that. I want to read a scripture, John chapter, or chapter 15, 10. 
for the church, is, uh, uh, the, 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 what I have to say, the church, that you and I would fear the glory and majesty of God who holds our breath in his hands. John 15, 10 says, if you keep my commandments and you will abide in my love just as, just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So even Jesus practiced it. And we're supposed to be Christ-like. It's time to start being Christ-like fathers. Another scripture I had, um, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. I'm going to go through a lot of scripture if that's okay. Uh, Matthew 28 through 30, 11, 28 through 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. How many are stressed tonight? Be honest. How many are in stress? Why? If, if, you, if your heart is, is completely for God, haven't you given everything to God? And is in his yoke light? So why are you stressed? You know, people saying, well, the, the, the down Jones is down. I mean, it's almost under 30,000 now. And it's like, all my retirement's gone. It's like, well, your retirement's not in Dow Jones. It is in God. And I understand it looks bleak, but God will take care of you. That's what it means to have your whole heart for God, that you trust in him totally. And, and I know there's times to panic for people, but the question would be, why are you panicking? Fathers, why are you panicking? I, I know you're meant to take care of your family, you know, financially, spiritually, and everything else, but the God that's in you is going to help, and he'll take care of you. Amen. Second thing I put down is choose life. Okay, Susie, are you ready? I like this. I don't have to get really long stuff. Deuteronomy 30, 19 and 20. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice, and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Thank you. So how many of you know Deuteronomy is a, is a place where Moses is at the end of his life, and he's teaching the Israelites who have been 40 years in the desert that you got to change your attitude. And tonight, you know, when I say choose life, it means, you know, you got to change your attitude. Okay, life and death. Death is not living in God. Life is living in God, day by day. Amen? And here's the thing. If you're not living in God, if your life isn't dedicated to what God wants for your life, then you're living in death. You're not going to go anyplace. I know it's hard for you fathers, but that's the truth. It's the word of God. Scripture, John 1, 4, 1, 4 through 5. He, in him was life, and life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not comprehend it. John 1, 14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory and glory as the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. In other words, to choose life is to love, trust, and obey Jesus Christ and Savior of your Lord of your life. Jesus is not part of your life. He is your life. Now, some of us fathers, we like to get off on our own things. That's not a good thing. Been there, done that. When you get off from God, your life, instead of cleaning up your kids' mess, you're cleaning up your own mess. And that is not a good thing. Your kids need you to help them clean up their mess because they may not know God as much as you do. Amen. It's time to choose life over death as a father. Our choice becomes 
our influence to point our children and others to him also, so that we will all live in heaven with him forever. Now, the scripture that Susie read back in the days of Israel, choosing life for Israel was to obey the law, provide an animal sacrifice, and trust in animal sacrifice to bring atonement with God, to do this every morning and every evening. To choose life today is to obey the word of God. Now, how can you obey the Word of God unless you spend time in your Bible reading the Word of God? And your children need to see you reading the Word of God. Now, fathers, you may say, well, this is pretty tough, Steve. Well, it's a tough life. We live in a tough world. It's time for fathers to step up. What gives me to the, the, the last one I want it's called show up and participate. And basically, this, I have a story about that because, you know, when Rosemary died September 10th, uh, we had, she had three kids. They were my stepkids. And I chose to be their dad. So just because she died, a lot of people said, well, you're not their dad anymore. Well, that's not what I chose, and that's not what God put in my heart. So I chose to step up and be dad to those kids. And let me tell you something. Now one of them is, all three of them are in the 30s. One of them is now going to a divorce. You know what my message to him was? I don't care what mess you created for yourself. I'm still your dad, so I'm still going to be here. Doesn't mean you agree with the decisions they made, but you need to show up in their mess. Amen. You need to step up and be father. You know, people say, well, they're too far gone. No, they're not. You can always be dad. All you got to do is show up. You know, we, we, have, a, we have somebody, somebody in our ministry that is showing up this weekend for Father's Day. I'm so proud of him. There are people that would say that's, you know, because he has such a calling. There are people say that, you know what, that's wrong, that you need to do the will of God. Well, let me tell you something. Your first ministry is your family. If you put ministry for your family, you are totally in sin. Hello? And I'm a firm believer, as a father, if you put yourself before your kids, not in all instances, but most, then you're in sin too. Why? Because God gave you those kids. You're their dad. And you never, I don't care how old they get. My kids are in my 30s, in their 30s. I'm still dead. I have a son that's a biological son who's now 39. He lives in Canada. I hardly talk to him. He just had my seventh grandchild. And I do not have a good relationship. But you know what? If he called me and said, I need you, dad, I'd be there in a heartbeat. Why? Because I'm still dad. Doesn't, if they reject you, doesn't mean you're not dad. You've got you to show up and participate. And when you participate, it means, you know what, you, throw away your, you put away your cell phones, put away your computers, put away the TVs, and you pay attention to them. That's part what showing up is in somebody's life. There's scripture involved that I, I, I actually looked up. People say, the, the, the biggest, there's two big scriptures in, in the Bible. Actually, three. The first one is this. When, how many of you know, I have my Bible today, you know why? Because how many have the old Bibles where in between the Old and New Testaments, blank pages? It's my understanding that blank pages represent about 400 years. 400 years of not talking about God. So when the people on this world needed God to show up, what did he do? He sent his only begotten son. He showed up as Jesus Christ when his people needed him. That's one story where God showed up. Second story, we have it in, make sure I got my notes right here so I don't mess it up. That would help. Luke, in Luke 15, talks about the prodigal son. So, you know, the biggest question people ask about the prodigal son, what did the father do wrong? Why did the son leave? The father did nothing. He was still father. The son just decided to go off on his own and do his own thing, which you'll have kids doing. But you remember the prodigal son had ended up in a pig pen, was all dirty and said, you know what? I get, the servants of my dad get treated better than this. I'm going home. And so guess who was watching from afar? his father. And in his messy and dirtiness, guess who ran out to greet him? 
put the robe on his, put the robe on him, put the ring on him, put shoes on him. In his mess, he, he, he was still father. Didn't stop being father. He knew what showing up meant. He didn't just wait at the farm and wait until the son came to the door. He was in town waiting, looking down the road. That's what fathers do. The third one, you're going to like this one. This is the good one. In Mark chapter 15, verse 33, Jesus cried out from the cross, said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, the world would have you to believe that God, was, God left, wasn't there. But I'm here to tell you that God was there the whole time. Because my question is, where in the heck would God be except with Jesus Christ on the cross? There's script, and you might say, well, where does it say that? Because that's what the world, they, they want you to prove it. I'll prove it to you. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is a Christ, new creature, the old things pass away. Behold, new things have come. Now all these things are from God and reconciled. Oh, am I on the right one? Yes, I am, sorry. And it says, God was in Christ as he reconciled the world. In Christ. God did not just show up. He got in the mess with Jesus Christ. How many fathers today are willing to get in the mess with their kids? I mean, I, I, and if, I want you to be honest. Who's going to get in the mess? Because it, sometimes you've got to participate when you show up. You can't just sit, part, come up and say, oh, that's too bad. No, God showed up and he was in the middle of the mess. And out of that mess came something tremendous. That's what fathers do. They get in the mess. That's what I tell my kids. I don't care what kind of mess you're in. I'll be there. You say, aren't there limitations? What limitations are there for your children? Because God has no limitations for you. There are no limitations. You know, I, I can see where, you know what, I, I may not agree with my children's decisions, but I believe in my kids. Because God created those kids. So the thing, and I'm making sure I give Jack enough time, because Jack wants to present a gift to the men tonight. And so... What, when you're in there, so here's the thing, let me, let me, there's something that's in me that I just want to let come out tonight, if that's okay. Because some people think, you know, what, what, what I want, how I live my life has, should have no meaning on anybody else's life. I want you to know something. I live my life because my three stepkids are, walked away from God. I'm the only God they see on any kind of basis. Okay? And if I don't stick to my walk and walk there and understand I'm the influence, God has called me to be father. I need to be in their lives. And it's not just about what I want. It's also about what they want. Are you hearing me tonight? Fathers. Chris, you, you may soon be dead. Your life will change forever. Yes, it is. <laughs> hey, you know, we got to laugh a little bit, but, you know, but Chris and Hadley, you know, it's no bones that sooner or later they would like to have a child. And so I'm just telling you, your life will change forever. And, and, and here's the secret to being a father. Your life is not your own. It never was in the first place. But it's even more things. Why? Because as little Miss Damaris was sitting on my lap, right? She don't know. Now, she's grabbing my glasses and putting them in her mouth and doing all this stuff. And it's like, this tastes good. Well, it's like, no, it's probably not. My wife has to come over, right, and look at me and say, Steve, that's probably not the greatest thing. You could poke, poke a hole or something. And it's like, okay, you can't play anymore. Because we had dads, you know, let them play, shoot. Well, where has, that, where has that pair of glasses been? Who cares? 
I mean, when, here's the thing. I mean, come on. When I, when I was growing up, you know, we all have to have this pure water, right? I drink from the water hose. Come on. And guess what? I'm still here today. I didn't get this sickness or all this bacteria, blah, 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 you know. It's like, come on, back when I was, you know, I, I cut, I cut, when I was five years old, slid down a car back then, the license plate stuck out, cut my leg to a bone. Five years old, and so I have to go to the doctor, get all stitched up. So the rest of the time I was, had the bandage on, I was always taking it off. So look what I did. And, you know, you got to take the bandage off to show the, the realness because it made all the girls go, <gasps> they turned white. And me, it's like, this is cool. Number one, I got attention. Number two, we were, you know, all the girls went nuts, and I didn't like them at that time anyway. But I'm telling you, as kids, you know, you, you understand stuff growing up, and then, and then, you know, you might say, you know, dad's here tonight. You might say, well, I didn't have anybody that showed me how to be a father. Hello. Same here. My dad never once told me he loved me. Never once. And beat me. I have spent more times on my back on the other side of a couch than I can remember. Why? Because that's how hard he slapped me. You know, and, and, so, and, and so as I grew up, God challenged me. He says, what kind of father are you going to be? Well, number one, I'm going to tell my kids I love them. Number two, I'm going to do all the things he, he did to me and learn that that's not the way to do it. You know, but fathers, you know, when your kids, you know, and I was talking about little Miss Damaris there, she, she doesn't understand anything. She needs somebody to hold her, wipe her little, oh, there you go. You get to change diaper. I am so proud of you, Chris. Way to go, man. You get to change diapers. But, but you know, they're, they're helpless. And to a point, when they grow up, there's some cases they're just as helpless. They need the father that bad. And, and so my, my, my pet peeve with fathers is, you know what? Get off your little high horse that you're on and think life revolves around you. It doesn't. It revolves around your, around, it, it revolves around your kids. You don't stop being dad when they grow up. You're still dad. I have more children in this place than I've ever thought I would have. You know, all the, all the little ones are my grandkids, and most of the young adults are my kids. Amen? And if they call me, they'll tell you I'm there. I show up. You know, that's, that's what it's all about. You got to show up. Amen? I want to I close with this. You can go ahead. Spot on, um, but uh, the the and this goes for moms as well. The you know you show up. I absolutely agree, but I think there's one more thing too is on your knees, and um, especially when they get older and they're far away or whatever. I think your biggest, your absolute biggest weapon is on your knees. I think the word, all of that. But sometimes you don't have an open door to talk to them or there's some resistance or whatever. Then your responsibility is on your knees and you're pounding heaven for their souls, you know, because you don't have that direct influence anymore. And and that is the best way and the biggest plumb line that you can have is on your knees. Thank you. You're welcome. Amen. Always good to have stuff added to your sermon. Hey. So. I want to close with this. Somebody, I just, like I said, I just had my seventh grandson. And he's my biological, he's the, he's the only Miles in our family at this time, next generation. Somebody came up to me and said, are you going to treat him any different than you treat the other six that are mine? And I said, no. I said, I probably won't treat him any different than the grandkids here in, my, in this house. Like little Miss Damaris. She's, she's my grand girl, you know. Part of that story goes like this. So when, when, when uh, Matt and, and Nene were getting ready to have kids, I would come. Every time I see her, I say, you pregnant yet? No. <laughs> I, and I, I'm talking about every week. Well, she goes, no, not yet. 
And so when it was on the way, I said, okay, well, it's about time. I've been waiting. And so then she has this precious little thing, comes over to our house, brings her over, and, and I get her, and Luann's looking at me. He says, well, when's my shot? Yeah, you're not getting the shot right now. Granddad's with the granddaughter, and she fell asleep. All the grandkids fall asleep on me. I have, they're all acting up, you know, and they're whining and stuff. I get them and sleep. See, that, that's, that's what being father is all about, having those kids know who they're with. See? And if you've lost that connection with your kids, you need to reestablish it if at all possible. On your, well, that, and on your knees, and show up. You know? Let them know, I'm still dad. I still want to be a part of your life. You know, and, and you might say, well, I'm waiting for my child to come to me. And no, you go to your child. So fathers, show up. Amen. And for, for those who aren't fathers tonight, here's the message I have for you. The world is looking for the church to show up with the power of God in their life. And we're failing miserably. Church, we need to show up. You know, you might say, well, I got to preach this greatest sermon or I got to have this great thing. You got nothing. All you need is God inside of you and you're good. You just need to show up. Because the biggest question that the world asks right now is, okay, when something like the shooting in Texas happens, well, where was your God when that was happening? Well, let me tell you where my God was. It's just like when I went through um, the death of Rosemary and I did not feel him. I did not sense him or anything. And then I found out going through the stuff that we went with Sarah, I got to spend time up at her, her hospital room. And God showed me. He says, you know, all that time you were going through, he likes the footprints just walking with you. I was there. So I have a question for everybody in the room. How many likes the footprints in the sand poem? Well, I'm going to break your hearts because I hate that thing. Now. <laughs> I didn't used to. When I first got saved, it was, oh, it's so good. He carries me. And now I've come to realize, you know what? I don't want him carrying me. I don't believe he carries you. When he shows up in your life, he walks with you. Because here's, a, here's what a father does. Have you ever seen a father try to teach a kid how to ride a bike? Does he carry them with the bike down the road? No. He'll run alongside them until they're ready and let's go. He walks with them. So the footprints in the sand where he says, oh, I only see two. I mean, I, I go to my voice because it's like now it's like, oh, that is the biggest whiner I've ever heard. Oh, he carries me. No, he don't. He walks with you. Come on. He walks. Why? Because you got to learn how to get out of bed in the morning when you're so mad and angry and upset that you don't think you can get out of bed. He's there saying, come on, get up. Let's walk together. He's not going to pick you up out of bed and put you on your feet. He's going to encourage you and walk with you and say, hey, I'm here. That's all that matters. And we as fathers, we got to do, or we as people of the church, we got to do the same thing with the world. Listen, when your life is a mess, I'll walk with you. I'll walk with you. And I don't care if it's somebody who has a different belief or maybe they're caught up in, in, in some kind of sin like drugs or alcohol, who's willing to walk with them? You don't have to approve of what they're doing. They just need somebody to walk with them, show them the way to God. And that's what God's wanting us to do today as fathers and as people of the church. He wants us to walk with them. doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made. It doesn't matter how many times you've messed up been there, done that, hello, I can still walk with people. I can still be in their lives. I can, I can show up for coffee and let them talk. People who are so mad at the church, people who are so mad at Christians, guess what? I got to tell you a funny story. When Luann and I go on vacation, we get on an airplane, right? Me, I can talk to anybody. And, and when Luann's on vacation, it's like, no, I'm unplugging from, the, from life, and I'm just going to enjoy my vacation. Leave me alone. So she says, Steve, where are you? 
And I'm off talking to the stewardess, talking to the guy next to me, blah, 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 blah. You know, introducing myself. And Luann says, sit down. Stop it. And, and so we have this little thing. And so people all around me, she's like, would you quit? You know, that's me. You know what? I, there's nothing for me. I can talk to anybody. There is nobody I can't talk to. Because how, how many know there's five? We're going to a Mary's retreat next week. Hello. And when you go to Mary's retreat, you always come up. There are five love languages. And I'm here to tell you there's six. You know what the sixth one is? Sarcasm. That's right. People say, oh, sarcasm is terrible. No, it's the sixth love language. <laughs> and that's showing up. So I got to tell you, I spent, I sp- here's the thing, how I, my, I spent the day with my, or two hours with my grandson at lunch the other day because he's the one that's going through, he's the one, the son of the two are getting divorced, right? And so I, I kind of talked to him, see how he's doing. He shares a little bit. Then I, I decided, okay, we're going to see how well he really is. So I just start sarcasm all the heck. He, he hurt his shoulder so he can't play baseball right now because he dove for a ball and didn't get it. So he hit his shoulder. So now, and the, and the kid who was pitching was pitching a no-hitter, and so that messed it up. And so we were talking about him being slow. He says, I'm not slow, I'm fast. I says, well, if you were really fast, you would have caught that ball, and that kid would still have the no-hitter going, and you wouldn't have hurt yourself. And he looks at me, and he just grins, and he laughs. You know, and, and so I was doing that to him pretty much all at once, at least for an hour. And he was just laughing up a storm. So I'm saying, you know what? He's all right. You know, he's all right. So you might say, oh, sarcasm is, you know, not a love. It is in some families if you do it right. You guys might laugh, but it is. It is. I, I, I got to tell one more story. So I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not over time, really. I'm Okay. But anyway, so I have a Pastor Phil, a Pastor Phil friend who I want, I want to tell you, this is, this is what somebody does who's a father and understands relationships. When Rosemary died on a Friday, he was in Texas visiting. He's from California. He's in Texas visiting his daughter. He immediately got on a plane, flew to California to get his clothes washed and take a shower, and then flew up to Oregon on Saturday. And so this is a guy. He showed up. But this is a guy, you know, he gets in the car, he comes to visit, and the wives are in the back seat, we're in the front seat, and we are just, because he's like me, right? And when we get with each other, it's, it's no holes barred, you know, jabbing each other. And, and for a while there, when Rosemary passed away, I didn't do any of that. And so the first time I did it back to him, he goes, oh, you're back, you're all right. You know, but I have some relationships, because I grew up in a house where the sarcasm was not loving. It was pretty much you had to defend yourself. But with Pastor Phil, our wives would say, would you two shut up? Why? Well, because you guys are, are putting each other down so much. It's like, we're not doing any of you, but it affects us. Be quiet. You know, but I mean, but that's the way, I mean, if you were with us, you would think we hated each other for years. And we've been best friends for almost 20 years now. And we play golf together and enjoy time together. And he, and like I said, when he, when, my, when Rosemary died, he showed up. When a lot of other people didn't, he did. And that made, that, that made such a difference in my life. I learned something that day because up until that point, as a father, as a husband, I would felt I was a failure. And so in his, in, in his moment of hearing the Holy Spirit, he said this. He said, Steve, he said, you walked your wife to the end. Not a lot of men could do that. You were there. A lot of men would have quit, would have ran away and stuff. He said, there is nobody that can ever say you're a failure. And so that's what, and that's what I want to close with. Listen, as a father, people may tell you you're a failure. There is no way you're a failure. You're always a father. And if you show up, there's no way you're a failure. And if you get on your knees, as Shelly said, there is no way you're a failure. Amen. We are not failures. Fathers, you are tremendous men of God. Start getting that into your, your DNA. Amen. And then just start showing up and showing your kids what it's like. Good word. Thank you.
I think that applies too to all of us, just show up, you know, not just fathers. It's how do we show up in people's lives and and listen to Holy Spirit because he'll tell you. And just this is May 29th, and Shelly told me that one of my daughters felt like when we were together, I was on my phone too much. And I, you know, and what happens sometimes when we hear something, we get a little defensive. I'm not on my phone. I put it down. I have it upside down. But then I got to do work. And sometimes people text me because I'm a pastor, right? I'm coming up with that. Well, I got quiet for a moment, got on my knees, and Holy Spirit said, your daughter is not feeling like you're completely present. And one of the things we can do as fathers and mothers is be present. Even, you know what's so weird, you guys? I'm doing this experiment, and it's pretty wild. I'll go to a store or a coffee shop, and, you know, they do the normal thing. They give you your order, and then I'll say, how's your day going today? How's it been? They just open up. It starts the most incredible conversations by me just asking them, how's your day going? Being present, right? So I sent my daughter this text, May 29th. Mom told me that you sometimes... You feel like I'm on my phone too much when I'm with you. I'm sorry, and I want to be fully present with you. Just remind me to silence my phone when we're together. I love you, and I value our time together. She said, Dad, I'm just so sick of technology sometimes. There's so much bad news, and it just takes up so much of our time. I need to work on it myself, too. I am on my phone sometimes way too much. Thanks for apologizing. And I'm sorry I didn't talk to you first and went to mom. <laughs> that was a moment that I really felt like the Lord was wanting me to be present with my daughter. And the other thing is, I really feel like we as spiritual fathers and mothers can be present with the sons and daughters here. And as a son or daughter here, I want to encourage you, go after fathers and mothers And ask them to be in your life, to encourage you. Because we all need, I I, I don't know if you guys, I love Steve, because you do, you do, you live your life by example. I don't know if you guys have seen it. I've watched him get up and take Aaron and Michelle's baby out sometimes while the baby's crying. He'll come pick it up and walk out so that they can be present in the service. Sometimes church, we think, well, you know, there's nurseries and we have all these programs. But sometimes what if we just father and mother? It's okay, because some of you are probably old enough. You've heard 900 million sermons, and the most important thing you can do is go to a young couple, take their kid out if they trust you. Don't do it with strangers' kids. It could freak them out a little bit, right? <laughs> so I saw this post, and Steve said it all. He, he said it all tonight um, by J, Jason Valentin. It says, masculinity is not something a man is born with. It's something given to a man through other men. And we think masculinity is like, you know, cars and trucks and burping and belching and drinking beer and chasing women. And I got to thinking, well, what is true masculinity? What is it? It's identity, knowing that God is a good father. It's significance, value by how we think, influences how we behave. And it's influence. And influence as a man, we think, what's the first thing men say when we come? What do you do for a living? Right? Usually women is like... Where did you get your hair done? Or what? That makeup, those earrings, it's all like appearance. Men, it's like, what do you do for a living? But for men, our influence is what we invest in, not what we do or what, what we build. Who are we investing in? And I found that the best way to do that, and Steve said it, by being present fully and being consistent by leading. And the first person I lead is myself. How do we teach our sons and daughters to be present? How do we teach them by leading? And sometimes leading is texting your daughter and saying, I'm sorry. Because then you teach your kids how to say, I'm sorry. So leading is by being present. Being a father, being a man, it's okay for your kids to see you cry. It's okay for them to see you if you fight with your wife. It's important they see you make up with your wife. It's okay for you to be present when someone makes a mistake 
and love them and encourage them and not call out the mistake, but call out the gold. So here's my gift to, to fathers. And I'm so sad because I, Chris is going to help me. I wrote a book and um, it's crazy because I, I had some counsel. It's taken me three years to do this project. It's been a scary project for me because it's pretty raw and real. I talk about a lot of my junk. Um, I talk about the abuse I experienced as a kid. Um, and I, and the healing that, that took place when I went, went through counseling. And I, ju- I just share from my heart a little bit. And I, I gave the, the rough draft to some friends of mine. And they said, I see two books here. I see one for fathers and I see one for leaders. And they, we say fathers, but really it, it, it applies to anybody. So I went back to the drawing table, talked to the publisher, and we took one book and we made it two, and it took a little longer. And I say that to say my heart was to have a copy of the book to give to all the, the fathers here tonight. And um, I, I want to just tie that. I want to tie that book to the men, to the fathers. I want to I give that to you. And I, I ordered, ordered it in bulk, and it's taking a little longer to get here. Um, and I want to encourage you to read it and ask the Lord, you know, to speak to you through that book. Um, and, and if you're married, your wife can read it, your kid. I mean, it, it applies to anybody. But that's my gift is I want to give it. And I'm going to give you tonight, Chris is going to pass out a, a, like a, a, a coupon or a, 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 um, a little piece of paper, a voucher, because I can't do this every Sunday because it would cost me too much money, Right. Because there is a cost I have to pay to the publisher for the book. Um, but this specifically today, I, w- I want to give you guys this to pick it up. And then on July 9th is when the books will be here. And we'll have a table so that people can pick up the books. And uh, yes, Nini. You got yours today? Oh, you cheated. You ordered one. Huh? Pre-ordered on Amazon. Yeah, God is, I, I want, and what I want to do on the ninth, you guys, is I wrote this book. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done because I, you know, I, I, I'm, my private world is becoming public in, in some of the, some, when you share your mess ups, it's a little scary, right? Especially to other leaders. But my heart is that people, it will, because the gist of the book is identity, significance, and influence. And the church, I'll be honest, the one to the leaders is a little stronger, because the church has not done a good example of presenting to the world what we're for. They know what we're against, but they don't know what we're for. And a lot, of, a lot of leaders lead out of pain and brokenness, and they don't get healed, and they just hurt other people. And so it's time for healing. So on the ninth, what I would love for you to do, and I've dedicated the book to this family because you guys have loved me through my mess. And so you're, you're in the book, you're in the introduction, you're in the dedication because it's to the leaders and to these people, this body that has been so faithful to love through the mess. But what I would love for you to do with me on the ninth, when I get the books in is I, I would really like for us as a church to gather up front and put a copy of the leader's version and literally as many of us that can lay hands on it and pray that it gets into the hands of leaders, that it gets into the hands of pastors that are hurting and they're broken. Because the gist of the book is how I screwed up and messed up some things with my family. You don't know how many pastors' kids are hurting, how many pastors' wives were alone and broken, and they just continue to hurt people. And so I think it'd be really cool if we could pray together that God takes it all over the place and that it gets into the right hands. I already had a pastor talk to me not too long ago when he heard my testimony in a, in a podcast. He said, he met with me at coffee and he said, thank you. He says, I went and got counseling for my pain. He said, I, I talked to my church about the process of getting counseling because when I was a little boy, my father was so abusive. There was an instance, he says, I always had a fear of guns. Anytime I'd see a gun, he said it would terrify me. And he said, I didn't know why. And he said, I've always struggled being around other men and feeling comfortable. Well, his siblings, when he shared that he was going to counseling and because and, and, your brain to protect yourself, the trauma, you, you block things out. Well, he lay, he, what he told me was what he found out after talking to his siblings that his father, when he was drunk, would take the, the, the gun and put it in his 
rectum and say he was going to kill him and injure him and, and caused severe damage to this man as a little boy. And he blocked out the trauma. But he said, had he not heard me talk to this church about my process of healing, he would have never gone and got counseling and had the healing that he had. Yes. So I want you to pray with me that, um, that it's a very unconventional book to the leaders. It's, it's how we do church as a family and not programs, not buildings, not, not counting people. That's not success in the kingdom of God. Numbers is, is never the success or money or programs. That's not the success. Building big people like you guys, building fathers and mothers. In fact, let me just tell you what I really believe, and then we'll shut down and pray. If you look at the biggest problem our world faces, not just America, we tend to only look at America, but if you look worldwide, the biggest problem our world faces is the breakdown of the family. Every country, think of the daddyless orphans. It's, it's epidemic around our world. If that's the case, if the highest priority of heaven is right relationships, then the highest priority of hell is the destruction of relationships. So let me just propose this with you. If, if we get a hold of this concept that I wrote in the book, our biggest witness as a church and our biggest influence in the region is family. The reason we have the problem in the nation that we have is because the church does not know how to have a, have a, have a, have a healthy family. And most of it's because of the brokenness we've experienced that we haven't gotten healing in. But what if we get raw, real, transparent, and it's going to happen this weekend at the marriage retreat? It's going to be fun. And we expose the pain and the injury so that God can heal it. And sometimes it's through other people. And then we can help other people get healed. As Steve said, we can be fathers and mothers to people who need fathers and mothers because they're hurting. They just, you know what someone needs more than anything like Steve is just being present, just going having coffee with people. Chris and I do that all the time. I do it with a lot of young men. I'm mentoring men right now that aren't even in this state. I've got one that's came out of the, out of homosexuality. He's got a huge ministry that he started online, like 250,000 followers. He's 29. He was a stripper, grew up in the church. Jesus got radically, got a hold of his life radically. He's driving all the way to Florida to spend some time with me and go through some healing here. He's going to go through a sozo session. I met him online because I gave him a prophetic word on, word on YouTube. I said, you need a father in your life. And over a course of three months, he said, would you be that? They knew what he did. I said, this is crazy. This is what fathering is, being present. He, I went, Shelly, I went to Florida. I went and had coffee with him. He took me to this coffee house, this place, and, and we're having coffee outside. And he goes, let's walk around the town. We go walk around the town. The coffee house he took me to, he's connected with Upper Room. Coffee house he took me to is right in outside and he does worship there every Friday night in prayer and he's gathering these people in. We went for a walk and as we went for a walk, I realized that he said, do you know where we are? He says, we are in the, the gay capital of the city. He goes, how crazy that God would redeem my life, bring me here and I would start a prayer worship ministry right in the heart of this. And we prayed and walked over the whole area. That's the influence we have, right? So pray with me. We're going to close. And, I, and then Chris is going to, if ever, and, and this book, I, the coupon I want to give is not just, and the good news is you get candy with it too, because the book wasn't here. I went and bought 100,000 grand bars because they're small ones, but because each guy in here, you're, you're, you're worth more than 100,000. I mean, your, your value, the value of fathers is huge. But I want every man, not just fathers, I want you to get one of the coupons because some of you are going to be fathers someday. Um, some of you already mentor, even though Chris isn't a father, he mentors young men. He's, he's spiritual father in their life. So everybody, I want all the guys to, to get a book. Just, just take the coupon tonight, but just pray with me, hold out your hand. And, um, I think, um, how I want to pray is somebody over here who said money was this, was it you that said it here? 
concerns, money concerns. How many, how, how many other people, are, there's money concerns too? Struggles financially? Okay, stress, it's bringing stress. What I heard Holy Spirit say when you said that was Father said that, that he wants you, and not just you, us, to invite him into that verbally. Because I think he's feeling like we're trying to figure it out sometimes, like it's our job. We do have a part we play, like we have to work, right? But I felt like he just wants to verbally invite him in. And when you sit down to write the check out and you go, I have no clue, invite him in. Say, I don't know how to do this. And watch what he does. That's what I just heard. Because he wants to show you how good he is, right? So hold your hands out. Maybe it's not money. Some of you have kids that aren't talking to you. Some of you have a situation that is impossible right now. You have no clue. Could be a marriage. Could be a job. We're going to invite him in. He's just waiting to be asked. So pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that nothing is impossible with you. And I invite you in to the situation I'm facing. And I thank you that if you ask me to surrender, I'll do it. My will, my ideas, my attitudes. And here's a hard one, okay? My mouth. I give it to you. May the things that come out edify you and give you glory. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were inspired by today's message, be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. For more information about the law, or for gathering times and locations, you can check out our website at www.theloftnw.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again next time.